Okay, help me real strong, say encounter. I need everybody to help me say encounter. Okay, so we understand that, that life is, is different for each and every one of us, right? And so it depends on who we come into contact with. How many of you know that the type of person you are is because of the type of people you've encountered across your lifespan? Are you with me, fam? And so the reason I can speak English is because in my home and in my house, my parents spoke both English and Afrikaans, right? And so if you came out of a household where they speak Zulu, Sutu, Kosa, Peri, Shangan, whichever language they speak, in, in, in your house, right? The, the chances of you being bilingual is probably quite high. Are you with me, fam? The chances of you being able to speak another language is probably quite high. The reason for this is because you've encountered somebody that speaks that language. You've hung out around that person for long enough to be able to understand the language and to be able to speak the language. Somebody help me real strong say encounter. I need everybody with me. You're going to warm up when you're with me. Say encounter. So cool, that sounds better. Okay, so, so check it out, man. Uh, what, what usually happens is we come into a spot, right? And the first time we come to high school, probably, some of us started high school this year, and we come into high school and we see the cool kids hanging out kind of in one spot, right? And, and you're kind of trying to fit in with the cool kids. And so you see them there and you're like, hmm, let's check how I could hang out with the cool kids. And so you're like, hey. And then what happens is you try and kind of fit in with the cool kids, right? And so sometimes you hook up with the cool kids and you want to hang out with them, right? And so you kind of try to fit in, you know, that finds your identity. And so you kind of see what cool kids' hairstyles look like. And you see I'm trying to do my cool kid hairstyle. And then you see how cool kids swag it out. And you're like, I'm trying to stay in with the cool kids over here. I'm trying to get into this whole groove and this whole vibe. And so you try and kind of find your identity. Is it right? You try and find your identity with the cool kids. And trust me, when you hang out long enough with the cool kids, probably going to end up having a pony, probably going to end up rocking my skinnies, and probably going to end up looking like the guys I hang out with. How many of you know at your school you've got that smoker's corner? I know behind the toilets or even in the toilet, you check the smoke coming out the windows. And so, and so sometimes you come to school and you try and find your identity hanging out with the stoners. So I decide to hang out with the guys who get high, right? So then I start rolling a joint. I start learning about Rizlas and about skunk and about whichever kind of weed there is. And you probably, you, I can hear you screaming out the different kinds of names of the weed. I'm not interested in all of that. But the longer you start hanging out with the guys who do what they do, Guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to have a joint in your hands. You're going to be rolling it up. You're going to be lighting it. Your eyes are going to go red. You're going to go buy eye drops. And you're going to tell your mother, no, ma, I was crying because, you know, something went in my eye or I don't know what. And you come up with all these excuses because you start hanging out with those kinds of people, right? And because you start hanging out with those kinds of people, you start acting like them. You start speaking like them. You start smoking like them. You start drinking like them. You start doing everything. Everything they do because you associate with them and you stay in contact with them and because you have encountered them. Family, help me real strong say encounter. So check it out. I'm on my way somewhere. Then you get the guys that's got that hip-hop swag. How many know those guys that rock that hip-hop swag like that? And so now when I'm rocking with the hip-hop swag, I'm trying to be like, okay, bro, so how do you like <laughs> it might be. And so, so it's like, how do I do the, the, the hip hop thing? And like, so I gotta put my snap back this way. I gotta 
What do I like? You have to sag my pants. Yeah, whoa. Want the people to see my long johns? <laughs> a scout? <laughs> and so you swag the pants all the way to here and you try and hang out like that. Because I've encountered this kind of people and I've encountered this group of people, I try and act like them, right? And the third type of people, last year, I know this was a big, big, big craze. And all the girls were taking selfies about this craze. And all the girls were going crazy about this. And all the girls, and I couldn't find a girl to do it tonight because I was like, nah, let's not do that. You guys are going to go, and then, uh, yeah, it's just going to get untidy. So all the girls were going absolutely crazy about this craze. And all the songs were about this. I'm talking about Nicki Minaj, my Anaconda. And then everyone was like, boo. And then, and then, and then, uh, what's his name? J-Lo came out with this booty song. J-Lo and Iggy Azalea came out with this song. And all the girls are just doing this twerk, twerk, twerk thing. And then they were doing, and then they were doing, what's that? Um, squats. And now all the girls want to do squats. You hit the plot there. You have no bum, but you want to. Isaacs are going to start squatting. You want to squat because you want to fit into those jeans. So when you're rocking the jeans, you want to be like. And so this craze came out. And it was that tour crazy where it sounded like this. And it was like. Hey. <laughs> So check it out. So, so check it out. What you do? What you do is you sit on the internet the whole day and you're watching twerk videos. You see that one video where people started twerking at the funeral? So my, how many of you guys saw that video? It was like, ah, explain. We at the funeral, but I have some respect. And so people some started twerking at the funeral. And this tour craze was crazy. Everyone was doing it. Because see, when you encounter something and you spend long enough time with that thing, guess what? You start doing it. Help me say encounter. When you spend enough time with that thing or that person or with that whatever, guess what? You're going to start doing it. Now, it can have a positive effect or it can have a completely negative effect, right? How many of you know that the more time you spend on something, the better you become at it? Right? The more time you spend watching TV, the better you become being lazy. The more time you spend on the internet, the better you become burning up your time sitting and watching videos on the internet. The more time you, be, you spend watching twerk videos, the more time you spend hanging out with the guys who smoke weed, the more time you spend hanging out with the hip-hop guys, the more time you spend with any sort of character or encounter any sort of person, guess what? You're going to start becoming like that, right? So I want to draw your attention to the book of Luke chapter 5 real quick. And, and what happens in Luke 5 is that this guy encounters, this guy Peter encounters, is a man called Jesus, right? And so what happens is, let me exp explain to you real quick what happens. And so the guys are all fishermen. So Peter's a fisherman, right? And so they're on the boat there. They're busy catching fish. And they, they throw the net on the side and they're trying to catch fish and nothing's happening. So he, and so he's busy struggling, struggling, struggling. He throws his net on the side. He's trying to catch fish and nothing's happening. They're struggling, struggling, struggling. And eventually they're like, no man, this is not working. And so this guy walks past, right? And as he walks past, he tells Peter, yo bro, why don't you throw the net on the other side? And so Peter looks at this guy. He's like, dude, 
I tried there. Trust me, we've been here all day, bro. I was on this side, I was on that side, I was in the front, I was in the back. I've been throwing my net all over the place, bro. And there's nothing's been happening, nothing's been going on. Trust me, man, this isn't working for me. And so Jesus tells Peter, bro, but he doesn't know it's Jesus. He doesn't know who he's speaking to yet, right? And so he says, bro, just throw it on that side and start pulling up the net. I promise you something's going to happen. So he's like, bro, whatever you say, let me try it. And so he throws it over and he pulls up and he can't lift the net. Because now it's full. It's, it's full. It's found in, uh, in, in um, Luke chapter 5. And it's full. And the things are jumping up all over. And the fish are going absolutely crazy. And they're calling the other men, Gents, come help. And they're trying to pull up the fish. And they try and pull it up. And, they, and, and then Peter looks at this guy and he's like, But how did you know that the fish on the side? Explain. Who are you in the first place? And so he says, Just come here. And he comes closer. Peter comes closer. And he says, I am the son of the living God. I'm Jesus. And Peter immediately drops to his knees and says, bro, please go away from me. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I can't be in your presence, man. I don't know how you did that whole fish thing that you just did a couple of seconds ago. But man, I'm not supposed to be around you. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. You know, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Please move away from me. And Jesus looks at Peter, tells him, kind of grabs him by the hand, lifts him up, gives him a hug, and tells him, bro, don't worry. I know all your sins. I know all your mess. I know everything you've done. But come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that was the day Peter encountered Jesus. That was the day Peter came into contact with a man named Jesus. I ask a question here this evening. If a man walks through those doors tonight, and he walks all the way here, and he comes and he stands on the stage, and he says that he is Jesus, how many of you will believe him? Nobody. What if he does some sort of miracle and he makes something cool happen? How many of you will believe him? You, now some of us will be like, okay, how did he do that? It might be a Troy or it might be a, a David Copperfield. Or it might be a magician or something. How is he doing that? And then what, what will happen? How many of you remember the encounter that Jesus had with the woman at the well? And he comes and he starts explaining to her her life story. And he starts explaining to her who he is. What if a man comes and you get a chance to speak to him one-on-one -on -one and he starts telling you the things that you did last night? What if he starts telling you what you did two weeks ago? What if he starts telling you what you're busy thinking right now? How many of you believe then that it might be Jesus? Maybe? The question is this. The type of people you encounter determine the type of person you end up being. And so what happens is this, when I encounter the man who made the universe, when I encounter the man who says, take your net from this side, throw it into this side and pull it up, man, you're going to get a harvest. When I encounter the man that changes my life, if I ever come and encounter a man and I'm sinful and I've messed up and I've made mistakes and I've did something stupid and I encounter this man and I realize who he is and I say to him, bro, I'm not worthy of being in your presence. If ever I encounter a person that says, it's okay, I understand that you've messed up. It's okay. Okay, I understand that you have mistakes. It's okay, I know that you're not perfect, but come and follow me anyway. How many of you know that you don't get that type of love in, around any corner? How many of you know that people are out to judge you? People are out to talk nonsense about you? People are out to say, remind you of all your mistakes? People are out to say, yeah, but you want to keep yourself clever, you want to keep yourself holy, but look what you did here, look what you did there. The day you encounter a man that forgives your sins, the day you encounter a man that says, I don't care the different kinds of mistakes that you've ever made, it's okay. Come and follow me and I will turn you into someone you never knew you could be. 
And I, I've explained my experience, my first encounter a million times, and I'll explain it again tonight, and I'll explain it again whenever I, whenever I have the opportunity. It's my testimony. Bible says in the book of Revelation, you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. I was a church boy, doing church things, being in church. I knew all the church songs. I used to crawl under the, under the chairs. I used to know everything and everyone in church and about church. I used to know every word of every song, everything about church I knew. But did I have a one-on-one -on -one relationship and encounter with Jesus? No. Did I know him personally the way I should have known him? No. You see, knowing about Jesus is not the same as knowing Jesus. Hearing about Jesus is not the same as knowing him. Let me run this example by you real quick. If a man comes to me tonight, let's just say I drive home from factory, I park my car, open my garage, park my car, close it, and some random guy just comes to my gate there and he says, Ah, bro, brother, brother. And I turn around, I'm like, yes, bro, how can I help you? First of all, I'll be scared because I'm not sure if this guy's trying to rob me or what the heck. And he comes, just a random guy. Let's just say he's even dressed nicely, even smells nice. And he says, bro, now you must understand my wife is there. She's pregnant. Let's say my baby's born and my baby's in the one room already, right? And he comes and says, bro, I'm cold, man. It's winter. Can I sleep here by you tonight? <laughs> not even a back room, bro. I don't know you from Adam. I don't know who you are. Will you let a, a random man, when your family, your daughter, your, your son, will you let a random man come and sleep in your house? Just like, let's say you go home tonight and someone just says, hey, bro, can I sleep with you tonight? You don't know if you're going to wake up and your things are going to be gone. You don't know if you're going to wake up and he's, he's going to rape you. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what to expect. And so the natural answer, if someone asks if they can sleep in your room tonight, what will you say? Exactly. Now, let me switch the story a different way. Let me swing it a different way. Let's say I pull up tonight. And let's say Logan comes to my, to my gate. And says, yo, Zakes, we were here at McDonald's, we were chilling, it's late. Um, I can't still drive back to Eldo's, all of that stuff. Can I sleep here by you? <laughs> Pull the gate open, yeah, bro, come in. Yes, blankets, yes, whatever. Why? Because I know him. Why? Because I have a relationship with him. Why? Because I understand who he is. Why? Because I've walked the road with him. I know who he is. I've been to his house. I know his mother. I know who he is. And so I'll open up the gate and I'll say, yeah, bro, come in. And the same thing works with Jesus. Guess what? I was walking past Jesus' house. I, I slept in front of his door for goodness sake. But there wasn't one day I knocked and said, hey, bro, how are you? I'm Xavier. Who are you? I'm Jesus. Okay, nice to meet you, bro. Yeah, let's go have some coffee. Yeah, let's go shoot paintballs. Yeah, let's go do something. Yeah, let's go swim. Let's go to the ice ring. Let's go bowling. Let's go do something. Not one day. I was in front of his gate all this time, but not for once. I actually went and spoke to him. It went into a nice worship session, and man, we were worshiping, and I stood in the front there, and I was worshiping so, so profusely. I was like, I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was standing there. I was jumping around, and I think there was a song playing, and I kept singing the song over and over and over and over, and eventually, the more I was singing these words, the more I became enlightened, the more I started realizing what I'm actually saying. I was like, wow, this song is actually meaning something. That's why we always put the words of the songs during worship, so when you sing it, you read what you're singing, and it goes into your spirit, and you understand what you're saying, and it comes to life inside of you, and I was singing, singing, and we 
were worshiping, worshiping, and all of a sudden, I had what we call an encounter. And God came down on me like a ton of bricks, bro. I started crying and laughing at the same time. I didn't know how to control my feelings. I didn't know what to do. How many of you ever encountered Jesus like that proper, where you're just crying and laughing at the same time? It's just like, it just feels... I might tell you how it feels. It feels like, how many of you have ever, you've been through a heartbreak now, and then you cry, but you cry so loud, it feels like it's washing your heart. And then when you're done crying, and you breathe, you know, you do that. <laughs> and when you're done crying, you actually feel a bit better. How many of you experienced that one before? You actually feel like a bit lighter. I see this cry. I encountered Jesus. I was standing there that night. I was kind of standing in that spot where the stage was. And I was worshiping, and I started crying so lekker. And I was crying and crying and crying, and I was laughing, and I was smiling, and I was crying, and I was like, this feels lekker, I don't want it to stop. And I was like, oh. And people started leaving, and I was still standing. There was like an overwhelming worship experience, and I was still standing. Later on, I didn't care what the music was doing. Later on, the Owens packed up already, but I was just standing there, and I was just enjoying the presence of God because I encountered Him. And that day, I decided that I'm going to get baptized. I got baptized. That day, I decided, let me try and build my relationship properly with this guy we call Jesus. Because I grew up in church. I know all the church songs. I know the Bible. When I was like six years old, my father taught me First Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. I know memory verses from when I was a lighty, but it didn't mean that I knew Jesus. And in 2010, I was in that spot in my life where I didn't know what to do with my life. I got done studying business management. I, would, I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, I was confused. I dropped out of college. I was studying in Midrand. I was like, no, let me not do this. I don't want to do it. And I went home and I was frustrated to high hell. I was almost about to give up on my life. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Have anybody ever got to that point in your life where you start asking, what's my next move? What am I going to do? What, what am I achieving in my life? What am I going to become when I'm done with school? What am I going to achieve? What am I going to do? And, and, and I sit there and I watch videos and I watch things about Nelson Mandela. And I think, I want to be like this guy. Even though I'm dead, people must still say, wow, what a brilliant guy he was. How, you know, he did this and he did that and he touched the hearts and he touched the lives of people. Then I watch movie stars and I'm like, yo, at least people will remember this guy after he's dead. And then I sit and I think about myself and I think, if I die today, who's even going to worry? No one probably even cares. It's like, this guy probably just didn't do nothing. And I, and I grapple with myself and I think, how am I going to become somebody that will be a person of influence? How will I be somebody that will make a difference in someone's life? How will I be something? And then eventually I get to the point, after asking myself all these questions, after speaking to my father, my mother, friends, close friends around me, I decide eventually to go ask God. And so I go to my room and I kind of close the door and I'm frustrated and I'm walking around in the room and I'm like, God, who am I? What am I? What do you want for my life? What's the purpose? What's the point of my life? What do you want to achieve in and through me? And my prayer wasn't even cold. My father came back from America and he said, listen, there's this exchange program. Do you want to try it? And at this point, I don't know. I'm just bumming around. I'm at home. I dropped out of college. I don't really know what to do. I started studying theology. So I'm like, yeah, let me study that. At least I'll have a degree. And so, you know, and so I tell my father, yeah, let me go. So I go to, to, to New Jersey and, and we go there and we're doing our exchange program. Some of you know the story already. And we're doing our exchange program. And as we're doing that program, I get to a point where they got this, this event happening called the Battle Cry, and it's in New York City, and I see all the young people getting excited, they're buying the tickets and the stuff, and I'm like, okay, let me go. Was kind of like 
kind of like sold out that's about to happen now and everyone's getting excited and everyone's posting on Facebook and da 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 and I see this thing and I'm like okay let me go try this and this is the time from the last time I encountered Jesus to this time it's a different time it's a different encounter it's a different experience so I decided let me go with and I go with the guys we go to New York and I come into the stadium I, some of you have seen this video before it's on YouTube if you want to go check it out just type my name you'll find this video and I come into the stadium it's the footage of the actual stadium where I was that day and I see 17,000 young people worshiping and you know just going for it and I stand there and I think wow this is amazing I've never seen something like this in my life before and I stand there and you know they sing where will I and Hillsong United's there, and I'm singing worth. I know the songs because I got the CDs. I have it on my phone. And, you know, I'm just doing, you know, what I know. And then, you know that song that I love that I always like to worship with, that awesome God song? So that guy, Kenton Jones, the guy that does, I'm about five seconds. So he comes on stage, and he does five seconds, and he does a whole bunch of other songs. And then he starts singing awesome God, right? And as he's singing awesome God, all of a sudden, I start getting that same experience that I had that night in the old church where I was just standing there like, like exactly like this. I was like, oh, this feels lacquer. We were standing in, so it was like a stadium, like kind of like the dome, the way the dome looks inside. And we were standing there, I was like, oh, this feels lacquer. And I was worshiping. This is before factory. This is before anything and everything. I didn't even imagine 4,000 young people in the main room. I didn't even see any of that. I didn't even know any of that. That's before any of this has ever happened. And I'm still, I was just a normal guy with 300 followers on Facebook. Just a normal average dude. The pastor's son. And I stood there and I'm worshipping. And nobody knows me. That's the lack of part of worshipping in another country. The people don't know you. So I'm doing my dance moves. And I'm, you know, I'm crying, doing the ugly cry because no one cares. Nobody knows me. So I'm chilled. And so I'm standing there and I start singing. Worth, and all of a sudden, bro, I get that feeling again. That encounter, that, that kind of like the time where Peter asked Jesus, who are you? Kind of that ton of bricks that just hit me like, wow, this is Jesus. And then I got that connection again. And it's almost like God opened my brain. It's almost like he cut it down the middle. He opened it up. And all of the things that you're seeing now, all of the videos, all of the YouTube, all of the everything that you see that we've managed to achieve up until this point, he all just kind of like a bucket and something. And he all just kind of poured it into my brain like this. And I stood there like, yo. Then I got that like a crying, laughing feeling again. I was like, oh, this feels like a... <laughs> and I was doing that. And then people came there. They were like, yo, Zex, you want to come sit with us? They got those private lounge box office things. I was like, yeah, yeah, let me go. And that was after that experience. So I go around. And we in the, in the, I even have videos of this. I'm trying to recover my hard drive. I promise on my life, once my hard drive is recovered and I get those videos, I'm going to come show you that day that I encountered Christ. And, and we're there in the off in that little box and they got lacquer snacks and things there and we're talking and I'm meeting the, the big guys, the Yiltsongs and the Cantons and the what, shaking the ones hands. Yeah, it's just me, I'm quiet. But then I hear another worship song playing there inside. And all of a sudden that feeling comes and it hits me again. I'm like, yo. I'm like, guys, please excuse me. I want to go inside where the action is happening. I don't want to be in this private box lounge setup. Yeah, I want to be inside there where things are happening. And I run outside and I go around, run around the stadium and I come back there by my old seat 
And I stand there and the worship continues and I just carry on worshiping Christ. And after that night I encountered Jesus, I came back, I finished my degree in theology and I decided, let's start this thing called the factory. In fact, it was called Kingdom Generation, right? And we started this thing called Kingdom Generation. There was 50 young people up there in World One. And we were pushing and pushing and pushing. I came back with so much fire, so much zeal, so much energy, so much everything that Jesus just showed me what he wants to do with my life. And I came back, and the rest, as they say, just history. And we moved, and it started growing. People heard about it. People overseas, people in Cape Town, people in Durban, like sold out happening now. People in Kimberley, people everywhere. They were inboxing me. And, and, and I know you guys that like followers. Let me go on that follower tip. I don't like to speak about that but then the followers went up to 2,000 then it went up to 3,000 then it went up to 4,000 then it went up to 5,000 then it was too big for for Facebook thing and then every time I was getting notifications you have too many followers you have to start a page then I started a page then it went up to 6,000 now it's on 6,100 and something and it just started expanding and blowing up like that all because of that one night that I encountered Jesus just that one night when I stood there in that worship, that's why I don't ever take worship for granted. Don't ever take a sermon for granted. Don't ever take anything we do for granted. It's that one encounter, I promise you on my life, that one encounter that will change your life forever. Just that one encounter, not with anyone. Not with the smokers smoking weed. That encounter can change your life, but it can have a negative change in your life. That encounter, hanging out with the cool guys, it can change your life, it can have a negative change. But when you come like the way Peter came and asked, but who are you? Guess what? Come the way Peter came. Come the way Peter. He said, Jesus, Rabbi, Master, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Jesus says, it's cool. Just come anyway. You were a sinner. You messed up. You've made mistakes. You've done stupid things. Jesus says, it's cool. Let's do it anyway. And the day you say yes to Jesus, the day you knock on that door and he opens and you say, bro, can we go out for coffee? And you take one step at a time. You don't have to pray for 10 hours. I, I don't even pray for 10 hours. I get bored and I'll stop praying, but I can't speak so long. about. I don't know, I'll run out of things to say to God. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound holy, but I can't pray so long either. But you don't have to pray long. I tell you, I'm driving in a car. I'm riding on my bike. I have my helmet on. That's the best time because then I can speak. Look, nobody can see. I'm speaking to, look like I'm speaking to myself. You know, look, she looks retarded. And I have the helmet on. It covers your mouth. And I'm praying, bro, while I'm driving. Open eyes. I'm praying open eyes. And I'm riding. Brrr, going wherever. I'm speaking to God. Then I'm in the car. I act as if I'm on the phone, but I'm praying. Because you know how this old robot's looking at me like, no, that's all God's wrong. No, I'm on the phone, bro. I'm on the phone. So, but I'm speaking to that. And it's just you connecting, you communicating, you engaging. Because guess what's going to happen? The Bible teaches us in the book of Matthew. It says, when you come to heaven one day, because guess what? In the next 80, 90 years, nobody sitting here will be alive. We'll all be dead. All of us, including myself. We'll all be dead. But the question is, where do you go after you die? When you come to the pearly gates of heaven and you knock, and you say, yo, Jesus, can I come sleep here by you tonight? There's one or two things Jesus can say. The first thing he can say, bro, I don't know you. You've never spoken to me. You've never encountered me. You've never experienced me. I know you from nowhere. The second thing he can say is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's go back to the example. Yeah, bro, for sure, come in. 
I'll get you some blankets. Why? Because now we have a relationship. Now we know each other. Now we understand each other. Now we can connect. I know who I'm speaking to. I know who I'm letting into my house. And Jesus, heaven is like God's house. He can't let you in if he doesn't know you. You want to test the Bible? Go check in the book of Matthew where he says, Go away from me. I do not know you. There's a guy that came and said, the same like I told you, I grew up in church. There's a guy that says, I prayed for the people. I drove out demons in your name. Jesus says, I still don't know you. Why? Because me and you never had an understanding. We never had a relationship. You know, do you, do you know I can say that I know Chris Brown. I can say that I know Bawa. I can say that I know Little Wayne. I can follow them on Facebook also. I can comment on their posts. But if I can go to that house, house is going to not know who the hell I am. The exact same thing about Jesus. You can put a Facebook status of how amazing Jesus is. You can act like a Christian. You can do all that stuff. You're not fooling anyone. You're making yourself go. Because you're going to come there, Jesus is going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The question I'm asking tonight is who wants to have an encounter? I'm asking who wants to have to be lifted high again. Who wants to have an encounter with Jesus? Who wants to have the life-changing encounter? That one where you lift up your hands, you're worshipping so lacquer, you're even crying, you're even feeling the presence of God inside of your heart and inside of your life, and it changes your life forever. The question I'm asking this evening is if you want to have that encounter, man, that changes the course of your life completely, you get up on your feet real quick, you run to the front and you say, Jesus, I want that experience where I'm crying, I'm worshipping, I'm loving, I'm jumping up and down like a crazy person. But I want to encounter you. I want to turn from here and go touch my